0: Welcome to The Directors Take, a podcast where we explore how you go from directing something with your mates to being the most senior decision maker on a film set. I'm Marcus Thomas.
1: And I'm Oz Arshad, and we are both writer-directors at the beginning of our TV and feature film directing journeys. The pathway doesn't exist, so we are going to do our best to help you bridge the gap.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Director's Take podcast. Last week, we had the first part of our conversation with writer-director Alice Seabright, where we covered her filmmaking journey right up until she was directing on Sex Education, and we left you on a bit of a cliffhanger. This was despicable, inexcusable, and both me and Oz Arshad would like to sincerely apologise. But don't fear, the second part of that conversation is coming right up. Enjoy. so you did this you wrote on you wrote on the show and then you got your own show <laughs> commissioned how oh god <laughs> It's yeah. that's all we've written down as the <laughs> question is how? is how how did you get your own show
2: honestly I to this day I don't know I think it was in a huge it was a huge huge amount of luck um and timing and things like that which is not that helpful to hear but it's the truth I I had started developing the script for it or the the I don't think yeah no I think I had written the pilot for it already before going into this education so I think I had taken the approach that I was going to develop being a writer and being a director and just see you know with my films I was doing both at the same time with my shorts I was doing both at the same time but then in terms of a career I was just like I'm just gonna See this as much as I can. perceive this as much as I can. Again, not thinking always too far ahead. So I developed that pilot for Chloe. Yeah, and then I think where the t- the luck of timing, I think having done that and then gone and directed, I think allowed people to trust that I could also direct because I, I think if I hadn't done this execution, that that would not have been a possibility. So that timing playing out that way was was super lucky. Um, And also just lucky because, you know, I had, I developed some other TV stuff before, but it's true that like most stuff that gets developed doesn't end, you know, even with broadcasters ends up not getting greenlit. So I think... Sits in drawers. Yeah. In case you blow up and they're like, oh, we've got this from this person. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I think it was, it was, it was just a lot of luck and timing and I don't, I don't have a very good answer for... um, why how it happened and why it happened the way that it did other than to just be kind of amazed by the the kind of the timing of it all
0: but you you clearly like did the work towards it so i guess like what what the materials you had you had like a pilot you had a treatment and then you just took that into a development session kind of just went from there
1: i saw that the treatment you had i saw that i think was 2018 or maybe 17 even
2: i think so yeah uh yeah i think i was developing it for about two or three years so the producer is a huge part of it i'd been doing lots of like meetings general meetings which are sometimes a little soul-destroying because you can meet a bunch of people a lot of people I got the feeling anyway I don't know if this is actually true but I I often got the feeling that people meeting I don't know someone's asked them to meet you and they meet you but they haven't really (laughs) stitched with anything that you've done and so yeah you kind of feel like it's just a uh an exercise in in taking something off a to-do list and we're gonna do a whole episode
0: on that oh (laughs) on generals I oh Um. my
2: god generals are the I just find yeah they're really tricky I I think I I actually got really sick of them I was like I fucking hate generals never again and actually then I and and so but but bizarrely it was quite a useful energy because I think coming from that energy I stopped going into meetings being like, oh, someone giving you a job. Let me come up with, what show do you want? You want a medical show? Okay, I'll come up with a medical show. Um, <laughs> you know, I and I, instead I was like, I'm I'm just, I'm kind of annoyed with this. I don't want to be here, but you know, okay, maybe I'll go if, if I have to. And actually, I remember going and meeting Tally, who's the producer of um, Chloe and I just really liked her and we really got on and we ended up before I, I I'd absolutely not planned to pitch her anything but before I knew it we were talking about life experiences things that we liked and then I was like oh I've got this thing at the moment I'm thinking about it's an idea of it like this what do you think and she's like oh yeah I think that's good what about is this and then before we know it was sort of cut we're riffing off of and and I think more and more now the way I see generals and the way I see all of this stuff is that like find the people that you genuinely connect with and you genuinely click with and who like you believe you know actually like what you're doing and they're not mm. just you know there because they someone's told you that they should meet you or whatever you don't need that many of those people you know you actually mm. Ne- mm. only really need one and and tally she, she just started her own company so it wasn't like you know i wasn't going into like the really fancy offices of a really established production company we met a Basta. she still to this day doesn't have an office She has three staff now, but they still continue to meet, you know, in cafes and whatever around town. Keep
1: your overheads down. That's
2: right.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's a businesswoman.
2: Well, exactly. It makes total sense. And also, offices aren't very productive. Like, they're not productive environments. I feel like when you're in an office, you tend to just like be on Twitter for like half of the day, and then it's like six thirty, and you're like, okay, great, I can go home. You know, whereas it's much more. I think the way she works is much more about like motivating everyone to do really good work and so you know they can work kind of on their schedule but also they want to do good work so they're going to work really hard and have a great time doing it so it's a much better way of working i think
0: yeah if the pandemic has taught us anything (laughs) you don't need to be in an office
2: yeah definitely so yeah i think she 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 was a huge part of then like shepherding that and, and taking it to the bbc and kind of nurturing it throughout the process and then yeah we we developed Kind of a very long treatment with the, what the whole series was going to be, which is the hardest bit I think usually to write. It's like you're cracking the the whole mm. beast, um, yeah. And then I I wrote the pilot and yeah. So it's it's a it's a multi-year process of developing this, the script and the kind of series arcs and stuff.
1: And how did you escape the development hell? And what was the green light process? Was that what it was? It literally just happened.
2: Yeah. Then then basically after a certain point you. Get sent up the train. You know, we did a few rounds with Ben, who's our commissioning editor. And then, and then after a while, it too, so it went up to Pierce Wenger, who's the head of, who was, sorry, the head of drama. Um, And that's the point where green light decisions get made. So it's basically like either, you know, it gets shelved or it gets made. And that is literally, it's like the thumbs up, thumbs down, like gladiator moment, you know, like you literally your fate isn't and the thing is you know such a hard job I really feel for those people doing those jobs because there's a lot of really good stuff being developed but you can only make so many things in the year and basically it's like yes no yes no you know um and so yeah we just we just got lucky with the yes basically um and you know it could well have been could well have been, in, uh, yeah. Could well have gone the other way, I think.
1: Did you sort of like celebrate immediately, or, or like, or, or were you sort of like, it's not, it's not going to happen. We're, just, we're giving it our best shot.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'm quite bad at celebrating. I think I don't know why. <laughs> I guess I, I just always feel like it. I don't know. I, I, I yeah. I struggle with celebrating. <laughs> um, Did you go to France then after? No, uh, well, cause then we had to, st- I think that was it. I was just on to like, shit, now I have to write a show? Mm. What? I didn't know how to do that. I was suddenly like, it's like the next challenge. You're like, fuck, we, we did a writer's room in January and that was just before the pandemic. So then the lockdown hit and then it was like 12 months of writing in my bedroom, which, you know, was, was a really lovely part of it. Actually, I think the making was more challenging the writing was really lovely because we had more or less enough time. It was hard work. I find with with everything, to be honest, with like the filmmaking journey in general, certainly with writing, I find like you have to just not look up at the mountain. You have to just put one yeah. step in front of the other. And yeah. I felt that with the writing. It was like, as, as soon as you start and th- stop and think and go, wait a minute, I've got six, there's six episodes. What's the, is the ending going to work? How's it, what's the... You know, do I know, like how, how how much of this I have to write? And we had other writers as well in the writer's room, so you know, but but even so, that's it's this kind of huge canvas and I'd never done that before. Like anyone who's doing their first show presumably has never written because even if you've written multiple pilots, you know, I'd never written an, a, a a full series like that. So you've How like, many
1: scripts had you had you written by then just like in the in, in your kind of like career? Just even just yourself, yeah, like
2: pilots and probably and, and... like five maybe wow but 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 never all of them either features or pilots you know i'd never written mm. i'd never written a full story like that over i mean yeah you just have to not overthink it you have to just be like okay what's the next you know
1: you've always had a good sense of story though like and i guess that might point back to obviously your early days but in development and the scripts that you might have read and whatnot because you, you you know people like all of us lot would always send in your scripts
2: yeah i mean so do you as i was why i was sending you my stuff though i think that i i but i do think back to what we were saying earlier that the all the stuff you do is helpful like you know working in development for three years i was reading so much and even the job before that i was working in an agency not for the for, for the agents i was working for a producer but i used to read on the weekend like all the scripts that they would send around the the you know just that had come in for a director or that one of their clients had written or whatever, all the scripts anyone was talking about as being good, I was like, I'll read them, I'll read them. Um, And then I started reading scripts of films I'd already watched. And then, like you say, the whole like, you know, we used to call it the brain trust was like our pals that we swap scripts with, Mm. other writers, other filmmakers, same with edits, right? You swap edits. I think every time you exercise your mind on, you know a script or a story or whatever it might be you're getting that muscle you're learning something so I think every single script of my friends that I've read and given my thoughts on every single one edit that I've looked at that you know it's all helpful to teaching you and and then and then you start watching stuff and thinking about how it's made and there's no way to To kind of learn it other than just practicing doing it a lot, which is why, you know, it's back to that thing of just like put one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and also treat whatever's in front of you as the most important thing. It's like you'll learn so much from trying to crack the thing in front of you. And definitely when I found myself having to write all these episodes, I was like, thank God this is not, you know, this is hard enough as it is. And I feel like I've done a a bunch of practicing. If, If, you know, if I'd been thrown in, On this without versions of practicing thinking about story all the time it would be it would have been even harder I reckon
0: and so when you kind of went through the process was it always the case that you'd be the lead director on it they didn't try and like throw old heads or anything at it or anything like that
2: they didn't it it wasn't discussed at first so at first it was just being developed with me as a writer Tally who again is the producer who's you know, was a real champion. She had. She always said she was like, we, you know, we want you to be the director on this. But, she, but she also knew that, you know, I, I don't think she would have ever jeopardized the show. Neither, neither would I, to be honest. If if someone had said you can't, you can't do this, I wouldn't have been like, well, then I don't want it to be made. I would have yeah. said, sure, <laughs> give it to someone else this fight. Um, <laughs> but so it was just never discussed. And then I think because of the timing of having done Sex Eds. It just it it just made sense in a way where like I I had an advance over any other director that they would have put forward because it was my world and my did Sex Ed of, help get
1: this was this after or was it before the writing
2: sign the off the writing was before so that's the thing the writing was very much oh. developed not not of the whole show but the writing of the pilot was before Sex Ed so it was it was the, it was definitely a case of like and that that had come off the back of you know writing stuff and. Um, and and kind of meeting different, you know, kind of developing, trying to develop a writing career because at the same time I was trying to get directing going because because I managed to get that, then they were like, okay, that's, it seemed to make sense to let me direct it, which, you know, it was a huge, yeah, uh, a huge privilege, really. I like, it's quite, the muck of timing and also some faith from from some people, you know, I do think peers who was the head of drama there, you know, has done that. He he is that kind of a person. That's the thing, which is why you, you have to pass it for, you know, you have to do it as well to other people because I definitely have been the recipient of people having faith, like, you know, whether it's Sex Ed saying, Sex Education, the show saying, you know, we'll give opportunities to young directors who have just come from shorts or appears he was championing a lot of new talent and giving opportunities to people who hadn't necessarily done loads and loads before. Received, being on the, the recipient of that is, is incredibly, it changes everything. So, you know, it's why it's, back to what we were talking about before, it's really depressing when you feel like those opportunities are drying up for, for people
0: and so with that in mind how did you go about selecting your second block director for the show what was that process like and what were you looking for in them yeah and how was it being on the other side of the table
2: <laughs> um yeah so we we met a few people and i don't know we were, i guess what what we were looking for people who connected with the material really like so you can feel that as well when you're talking to people in a meeting or whatever you can just feel When someone's getting fired up by something, or when they're just kind of not really, you know, when they're sort of trying to get, or or, yeah, maybe want the job, but don't don't actually necessarily feel connected to the material. And the the sort of very short list of people that we saw did, which I've done as well on every job I've ever interviewed for, is doing like a deck for it. You know, you you sort of put some visuals together and. Some thoughts on it and um, so that's really helpful and I don't know I was looking for someone I really wanted a collaborator I really wanted someone you know o- o- as we always talk about this of like the ga you know the gang of filmmakers that you can kind of actually feel connected to and share ideas with and you know and that's it's why I, I love like our cohort of NSS people was so wonderful because we were just really a group of people that didn't see each other as kind of competitors or or like, I don't know, there, were, there was just a real sense of like, we're, we're supports for each other, we're pals, we're creative. Cause you get creatively inspired, I think as well, by other people and by their, what they're making and what they're writing and whatever. So I, I really wanted that, someone who could be a collaborator and properly sort of a, a buddy <laughs> And yeah, and uh, Amanda was great. And I don't know what, what it was like on being on the other side. To be honest, I feel like I was so tired most of the time I can't even remember. <laughs> I think it was, you know, I think it was it was interesting. It was interesting what, you know, seeing the ways in which she did things, you know, so- sometimes differently to what I would have done where I was kind of challenged by it and other times differently to what I would have done in a way that I was like, oh, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know. I I can learn from that. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely felt, On Chloe, which I didn't, I haven't felt on it. Or you know, I felt on shorts, but I didn't feel on Sex Ed, for example. I felt very responsible for everyone, and for I've I found it very stressful. The way that the the show was very tight, the schedule was very tight. It was very intense. It was a lot of night shoots because I'd written a lot of night scenes. Don't do that. That's a bad idea.
1: It's one of the things that. Catherine Goldsmith, Katie, who, who was the DP for on, on your block on Chloe. Yeah, did she do all of it. No, she didn't do all of it. She, she did, did
2: block one. Yeah, yeah, she
1: did block one. She 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 would just keep say that like the schedule was nuts. The schedule was tough. Yeah, it was a really tough, was tough schedule.
2: It was tough. It was it was a tough schedule anyway in terms of like just for a TV show and there wasn't that much time. But also I think I think all of us realized as we went how particularly tough it was for this show because it's actually quite bitty, you know? It's quite like, um, it's just like a snippet of, she's on a cliff now and that she's, you know, there there was a lot of uh, material that you had to get. And and also, you know, there's an eighth of a page, Becky walks through uh, Elliot's house, you know, looking for something or whatever. And you're like, well, okay, that's one eighth of a page, but that's going to be like a 45 second a steady cam <laughs> shot in which you have to light the whole house at yeah, night. Yeah, like yeah. that's mm-hmm. not going to take 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we realized as we went just how tight it was. I don't think anyone quite realized. Um, mm. I-, I knew it was tight, but if I'd known how tight it was, I would have, I would have fought for it or something, you know? Um, and we all discovered it, I think, as we went.
1: You know, with this being sort of like your first voyage into being a lead director, obviously it's completely different to being a director, you know, a hired gun. Can you talk to us about some of the differences? But also, did you have somebody? Because obviously, if you were the person who everybody looked to because you were the showrunner, did you have a mentor through this that you could pick the phone up to and be like, I'm fucking drowning, man. I can't tell anybody this. I'm telling you. And I can't tell BBC. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Poor Sam, bless him, was that person probably. And he got a lot of me coming home and just like crying for 45 minutes. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I mean, being the lead director, you're setting everything. So you're setting, you know, both the kind of visual language, the tone, the references, the you know, trying to communicate. It's You know what? It's it's actually exactly like making sure It's just on... A much much bigger scale uh, much much longer you know the canvas is much bigger but it's it's exactly the same process uh whereas in a way uh, being a second block director is a bit more like being I don't know it's, it's it's something quite different it's more like an exercise or a I don't know you know it's it, it's a different type of uh creative process but doing something like this is is a bit like when you make a short and um, or, or a film a feature and you know you're going okay well this is these are the references these are the you're trying to communicate to all of the different heads of departments and there's a ton of it happening all leading towards the deadline of when you have to shoot so it's like we have to find the right locations we have to find the right cast we have to find and you know it's a common and and you know I think we actually had most things go not I don't think anything major went wrong you know uh, in terms of like we didn't kind of have something dropped at the last minute or like but still the the and no, you know we didn't shut down for covid or anything like that like it some bigger disasters could have happened i mean we did have we had lots of small disasters we had to stop shooting at Corin elliott's house because of, of uh, the bat schedule there were bats in the house and apparently we weren't allowed to film at so no, we didn't know there were bats <laughs> there and there was some really really um uh, opinionated uh, nature con- conservation people in the area that <laughs> wow. were just not happy with us disturbing the bats, which actually totally fair enough. But it was a bit of a problem when we were like, Diva How are we going <laughs> That's a new one. So I don't know, a lot of that is it's a lot to get happening in time for the date, you know? And, and also, you have to, I remember we kept looking, kept looking for Chloe and Elliot's house and couldn't find anything that was right. At some point, you're a bit like I don't know, like making those calls of when is it the right time to compromise? When do you have to keep pushing? You're just going on instinct. You're just going, you know, seeing what what feels right in the moment and and hedging your bets. You know, there's no rule book for it really. And then there's the producer on the shows called Joe, was great, and I could call her at any point with any logistical not just logistical creative as well, but, you know, any sort of problems to solve, I could call her. There was Tally as well, who's an executive producer, so less maybe for the minutiae of everydayness, but more for the kind of bigger questions and, and you know, all of that. But I do think that ultimately, and this is, you know, however amazing the people are that you're working with, and you're I'm, you, I'm sure you guys know what I mean from, you know, making your own films, that, like, I think ultimately you are a little bit on your own, <laughs> and it's mm. it's why it's a it's why it's nice to talk to other directors sometimes because and I think every job you know the 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 act you know whatever the lead actor probably feels I think every everyone doing that probably feels that way in their own way I'm not saying specific to being a director but I do think that it's a
0: unique pressure right yeah there's a sense yeah. in
2: which you're like well it is on me and you know I can talk to other people but part of what you're trying to do sometimes. Is create an environment in which everyone believes that this thing's possible. You can't come in and be the person who's like, I'm terrified and stressed and tired. Like, it, you're like the parent, you know. Like, you can't come in and put that on everyone around you because it's just not. It's just inappropriate. And um, and so yeah, that's why I think you know Sam definitely got a lot. Of he got a lot of me just being like, No, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it it. And you know, it's also, it's part of the process. I think I'm learning that you have to just kind of embrace it a little bit as well. And that, you know, it, it's it's not, we often check each other. It's like, cause every single time either of us have made something there comes a point in the process. One point, if you're lucky, three or four or five, maybe 15 on Chloe or whatever, when you get to a point where you're like, I don't know how to do this. It's too hard. I wish I had. I I wish I had never put myself in this situation. It's gonna fall apart, and I'm gonna be exposed to be the fraud that I am. And uh, this is terrifying. And you know, it's most of the time it works out, but I have had sure I you know I've had I've done stuff where it, I have felt that way. I felt like oh wow I failed on this one, or I failed on this specific thing, or I felt. So you're you're constantly putting yourself up against a challenge that is you know you're potentially you could mess it up um and you have to just kind of do your best and 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 often through that process of going i don't know i don't i don't know the answer that's when you put the most thought and work and care into getting through it and working it out but it's Mm. also there is always the fear or the risk that this time you won't know or you won't you won't know what to do.
0: With that touching on the lead director situation, um, how did you go about setting up the tone and the parameters for everyone to work within?
2: I think it kind of happens quite organically because I found this as well, on being on the other side of doing a second block is that by the time you've set the cameras, the lenses, the location, the cast, which all are consistent across the, the series, that takes care of a huge amount on its own. I created a document which was like the visual language of the show um, Mm. and it was kind of references. We did have some specific rules actually because although they're kind of rules to be broken but we had this whole way of uh, using the cinematography and the visual language to to try and get into Becky's state of mind. So we were handheld sometimes. We were were either locked off or with Steadicam at other times and we were kind of, we started off anyway dividing that between kind of becky the real you know her when you're with her in her intimacy and then the more presentational version of her and then that started to to mix so you know if she even if she was she might have been as sasha in some environment but um suddenly we'd go handhelds that that was the stuff that got really fun was when we started to realize like oh we've just been Locked off on, you know, in this room, and suddenly, like mm. it, I, the the one that's we did quite early on, and it sticks with me is the the scene in it's a scene in episode three where Becky gets a call that her mum has gone missing, and she's been there talking to like Livia, and so it's this very sort of locked off, quite um, quite kind of static scene, and so she's apologising to Livia, and then she gets a call, she goes and takes the call. And it's her, the carer saying that her mum's gone missing, mm. and mm. we shot the the in the morning. We shot the first bit of the scene, saw lots of whatever. We then we then moved on to the next bit and shot the, her getting the caller going out and panicking and leaving. And suddenly we went handheld, and it was like, oh, this is this is the this is the first time where we're really feeling out how this visual language is going to work when you're kind of you're using the cinematography to 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 put us in in the state of mind that that Becky's in and so as she's quite she's quite sort of performative there's some honesty there but she's very controlled and she's there and Mm. she's arrived for a purpose but then suddenly she's thrown because her mum's missing and she's panicking and suddenly we're in a very different kind of uh cinematography that's that's making us feel something completely different so we had a lot of stuff like that of like rules of you know of what and and you know even just like we're with her, it's her perspective, it's her point of view. So, you know, if you're doing a steady cam developing shot, you're gonna be with her, you're gonna be behind her or on her face or, you know, you, if this is not a show in which we, you know, cross across the room and come and find her, you know, we wouldn't do that. Yeah, in... yeah. So it was it was always coming back to that, actually coming back to being in Becky's mind and being uh, being attached to her perspective and to her point of view. But then you you take, you know, you give that over and people roll with it and people, you know, interpret it, break the rules sometimes in new and exciting ways. They take, you know, it. I, I, I don't like to micromanage. I don't like being micromanaged and I don't like micromanaging. So yeah. you kind of have to work, you have to pick collaborators that you trust and then, you know, share everything that you can share and then ultimately trust them to, to take it and run with it.
1: Mm and 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 how did you sort of like go about you know the you you were talking about the schedule being a bit of a like tidal wave what was that like like when you were trying to schedule and you knew that you didn't have a lot of time
2: i mean jo- joe who's the producer was also a first ad beforehand um and so yeah joe and and the first ad were really you know i th- i think they we all did as a team because actually Katie's a great, and, and I am pretty schedule-minded. So I'd say the four of us were all very schedule-minded. And so I, I think we, we got the most out of the schedule. That That is a certainty is that we, you know, really, we didn't have a lot of unit moves. We didn't, it was scheduled in a clever way. So so I think we did everything that we could, but it, we we were just kind of often just faced with just feeling like, oh my God, you know. And and it's funny because sometimes like, for example, actually that's the scene after the one I just talked about, which is when uh, Becky goes and finds her mom on the beach. I think we shot that. We had very little time to shoot it because of uh, losing the light on the one hand and the tide coming in on the other. So we kind of sandwiched between the time you know available time when that beach is filmable on and we kind of like well let's just let's just roll with it and decide that um you know we'll we'll make it work and Katie and the other the A a camera operator they so we had two cameras and we just went down on the beach and it was almost you know it was all handheld almost documentary style no lighting nothing And it was one of the best, most exciting, and it's very emotional scenes. So we just went for it and it was done really quite quickly. And that was great. Like I never, I didn't feel then I was, I wasn't like, oh, I wish we'd had more time. I actually thought the energy of it was kind of brilliant. And then other times, you know, particularly like the party scenes when there's a ton of extras and everything needs to be lit and everything's slower because of COVID regulations and all the rest of it. You just, you know, you sort of feel like you're hacking into it a little bit, and you know, you find you have to find clever solutions. So, like, I remember that that particular sequence. Like we we were getting through it as quickly as we could, and then it was towards the end of the day, and it was like, okay, well, we can either st- we can see if we can get overtime, but that's going to be really difficult. And anyway, it's horrible because no one wants to go overtime. So, yeah. how do we, how do we not go to overtime? Um, and basically we were like, "Okay, yeah, we've got 40 minutes to shoot this one page scene. Well, then we'll just do it in one, we'll, just, we'll figure out a way to, you know, so we did it in a one, so, you know, you pick up the characters, the other character comes in, they talk and then he leaves and then, and it, and, and it actually works fine. But then other times, like I remember there was the scene in episode one. No, the sequence in episode one, which is like Becky's in the bath and she starts having all these, we're thrown into her mind imagining Chloe and the cliffs and stuff like that. And again, we got to the end of like a really stressful day and we had 20 minutes to shoot the bath and it was like, Buck. i remember katie like running onto she she got onto the bath she like stood over it like that erin got into the bath and she was like this like pretty, you know pointing the camera <laughs> down erin going okay 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 and we managed to get basically one one shot up and then afterwards you know i was talking about it with the editor and we were just like we can't make the sequence this is not going to be a good sequence it's not it's a huge pivotal sequence in the in the episode it's not going to be good and so i then basically fought to get it Put on a pickup hmm. for a long time because that's again that's where to go back to the lessons. Sometimes you learn from from stuff. I, I think me six years ago would not have fought for that, and it would have been a, a big problem. Like the episode, don't I don't think would have worked. But the me post some of those experiences, I just knew in my bones, and it was also very helpful having the editors amazing, and you know we we could talk it through, and I could kind of have someone who was agreeing with me and we were sort of going that we literally like there's lots of stuff you can make work but this is just not going to be good if we don't have more and so we ended up getting it put on a pick up but it, it took a little while of sort of convincing and talking about it and saying you know like trust me on this one I, I think it's it, it's it's interesting as well when you're like a new when you when you're kind of doing these things maybe for the first time that like people People sort of don't know when to trust you or not. And I think it's actually quite a good thing because I reckon sometimes maybe what happens for really experienced people, I don't know, is that everyone thinks that they always know the answers and actually they don't a lot of the time. They're still like, they know more maybe than they did a few years ago, but every time you make something, you're you're kind of learning from scratch again, I think. Um, so on some level, it's quite good to have a, you know, it's like if you're going to fight for that, then I'll, you know, and ultimately, it's not it, because I fought for it, it was like okay, let's do it. But I think it, you know, it it requires you to have the confidence to know what to fight for and what not to, which I think is something that I. It took me a little while to learn.
1: So with with that, I, I, we're going to talk about. I want to talk to you about any any reshoots that you did because I remember reading an article where you were talking about you just got fucking sick of seeing a phone face the the front of a phone. <laughs> you, you, you kept doing that, but we'll we'll, we'll come on to that. Um, I think one of the ones is what does your what did your day look like like you come on set did you do a director's rehearsal everybody clear the room blocking how did that work was it a negotiation was it like nah I had set ideas what was that like
2: uh yeah I'd I'd get to set usually an hour early with Katie the DP and we would uh go through the locations and kind of not location but you know what I mean like the places where the scenes were going to occur that day and go through the scenes and just just either if we were properly prepped we'd just be running through it and making sure that it was all good if we were under prepped we'd be working stuff out in the moment Um, and then people would arrive and yeah usually what we did was we'd have a rehearsal with the actors and sometimes just Katie watching some of the camera team maybe and then once we'd worked out what we were doing uh then camera would set up the actors would head off yeah we'd get go once it was lit then we'd get going on shooting and sort of go through the day a little bit like that Mm. actually when we were doing intimacy scenes we had an intimacy coordinator who was absolutely amazing and um whenever we the sort of protocol when you do intimacy scenes is it's a close set throughout but the first Rehearsal—it's just literally the director, the intimacy coordinator, and the actors. Everyone else goes, and the first twenty minutes is usually like rolling on the floor doing like breathing exercises. <laughs> and, and as much as that sounds silly and a waste of time, I—I I remember the days when we were when we did that because we had a scene earlier up front or whatever. It's like this is how I want to shoot everything. I want to like actually reduce. Sometimes I think there's something about like reduce the number of people and actually really sinking in everyone you know people in the team the actors to each other connecting getting into it they were always so much kind of I don't know that there was just an energy on set those days that was bizarrely less stressed and more connected and, and nicer than on the other days
0: when when you're working out those intimate scenes did you already have an idea of how you was going to shoot it or did you plan it based on the the rehearsal you did with the intimacy coordinator and the two people and the two uh, cast.
2: Um. Yeah. So the usually I would have an idea of how it might go. So I, I'd talk to the intimacy coordinator. She would also talk to the actors separately, which is both sort of creatively to hear maybe some of their thoughts, but also kind of from a psychological point of view of just like, what is there anything you don't want to do? Is there any what part of your body you don't want touched? Is there any? Are there any? Um, limits that you have or boundaries that we we need to bear in mind and also just open up that conversation not because those boundaries and limits are not then fixed right an actor can in the middle of the scene suddenly decide that they don't want you know this body part touched or whatever but it but but because the conversations happened it feels it's much more likely that if they feel that change in boundary later on that they'll express it rather than just kind of roll with what's going on so setting up a kind of safe and nurturing environment for which for that to happen in that's a huge part of it and then in an ideal world you're supposed to do a rehearsal before you get on set completely Mm. separate just you know in a rehearsal room in which you just kind of try things out talk do exercises as well because i think there is stuff of like two people are trying to perform intimacy just being used to each other's you know there's there's just simple stuff like two actors just hugging and holding the hug for long enough that they can just kind of relax into yeah you know and actually it was funny on the was the first scenes I did properly with coordinators was on sex Education, and it was really sweet seeing the ways in which a lot of the performers the, the cast there had been doing them over a whole series and so I mean I especially think of um asa and Trish, who Otis and Ola, they they would they had this like sweet energy of almost being like siblings with each other. They would like start the scene and they'd kind of have a little hug, and they were there was just a real comfort around each other mm. that came from just having done it loads of times in a, in a really safe way. Um, and I think that that's that's kind of the, the goal. You're trying to get people to be comfortable around each other, both in terms of comfortable holding a hug, for example, for a while and not not being awkward about it holding tension in your body but also you know being comfortable like a lot of what you the intimacy coordinator practices is 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 saying no actually it's saying that you practice having someone put their hand can I put my hand here can I put my hand here and say nope that's not okay anymore and then so that you know you feel in your body that what's happening is safe so that's a huge part of it but then there's it's choreography basically so you're you're trying out these different scenes and things and and the the coordinate um the intimacy coordinator usually has lots of experience doing it on other scenes so they they might have ideas of how to make it work better Um, and you're just working out a choreography that works best for the scene both to be kind of realistic but also serve the character beats of whatever that's because usually that scene's in there for a reason so you're trying to tell some sort of a story and then yeah and then you kind of just uh, agree on what that choreography is and hopefully the, the, the goal is that because you've agreed on what that choreography is, everyone's on board and everyone understands it and it's replicable. So you're not kind of being thrown out there, trying something out and then going like, what did we just do? How do we do it again? You know, you, you're you really building a choreography that you agree on.
1: And, and what, what documents do you have with you, like notes and stuff? Do you have like a file or do you have an iPad? What, you, what What's your
2: go-to? yeah. Um, well, I, I I now have um, an iPad, which I have the I have the app Scriptation, which um, basically you can it's brilliant, you've yeah. got yeah, it's so good, right? You, and so for for people who don't know Scriptation, it's basically like a you have the script page, and you can add an extra page next to it, and then you can annotate things, you can import pictures, you can. My dream is always because um, actually on Endo. Alana, who um, you know well as uh, DP, who Oz worked with, um, we with Alana, we'd come up with this. Um, we we basically did the the analog version of of scriptation. We had like this little uh, notebook, and the notebook had one page, one script page, you know, on one yeah. on one page, and then the other one, and then we wrote lots of notes in it. We paper clipped, um, I printed out like all these visual references and we paper clipped and stuff. And on Endo it was perfect because again, being a short, there was time to prep the whole thing. And so I had the whole script annotated with visual references, with notes to myself and everything was so great. And I had it like around my neck like accessible at all times. But then with Chloe, with it, basically, I've never succeeded on the show of actually having that document. I always start the document and then I mm. run out of time for it. And so there are, like, bits of it that are really full and bits of it that are empty for few pages. It just never quite gets to be uh, the kind of – the, 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 the fantasy version of that document that I have in my head is that you'd have, you know, as long as you have on the script, writing it, you'd have on prepping it and putting your references and putting your notes and all of that. But – I was probably not gonna have so what do you guys do
0: I'm a little excel spreadsheet nerd so Mm, yeah (laughs) um, I love
2: an excel spreadsheet
0: (laughs) yeah so like I have the script and I kind of write on it like ways of tweaking performance and stuff and what it's about on the script but then I'll have an excel spreadsheet um, which has each shot down what the beginning and end is it will be at the top of it it'll It'll kind of be an order of shooting uh, for each scene, and then it'll also I'll have a note next to each shot which can be cut if we don't have time. Mm. Um, and then I think within the notes as well, I kind of say where each shot should begin and end. Also, I make notes on performance as well mm. about what what that needs to be for each thing, like the important parts to hit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm like an over planner. And yeah. I know I can't do that when it comes to doing long form stuff, but yeah, for, well, but, for but, my stuff, it's But helpful. also
2: I, I think, because I, I, it's funny, I had, I, for at least maybe all of the short films I did, I had a similar setup, actually, an Excel spreadsheet exactly like that. Um, mm. and, and what I would say is, and actually I did on Sex Ed as well, I had an Excel spreadsheet. But I think that even though, yeah, you might not be able to plan to that level of detail on long form, the fact that you've done it up until now... it it means that you're you're uh, training your brain to think that way and I think it will show later on even if you don't have the you know the ability to prep to the same level of detail on something longer
0: like I'm fully anticipating it being an element in kind of what you were saying is that just as long as you know what the scene is and you have an idea of what the blocking is you can kind of figure it out off the back of that because you've got you've got time right yeah as long as you know what your first shot is yeah off the back of the rehearsal
1: um and i'm 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 into excel spreadsheets as well so it's yeah. of just over, <laughs> over, just just over meticulously planning out of the insecurity of fucking up
2: yeah it's it's it, the thing is also i, I fans like you, you can prep something to, like crazy and then the fact that you've prepped it is also what allows you in the moment to change the plan if you need to because you've thought about it so much that you can be more nimble sometimes bizarrely i find when you do less prep you end up being safer
1: were there any times on the days like when, when, when you were caught out by the scripts where it was like you know you were you, you were planning it's like shit i need to like i need to like be nimble here and think about it. i need to get this in less shots like the example that you gave before you know or was it yeah. something that you got in the script and then as a writer director you went and thought this doesn't actually translate and i will yeah. fix
2: it yeah i so so there was definitely stuff like that of like not enough time need to rethink the shot list um a lot a lot of that but again, the prep doesn't go to waste. The fact that you've prepped it allows you to to work it out faster. And then I did I do quite a lot of dialogue tweaking, or you know, realizing like you're doing this, we do the scene a couple of times in rehearsals, and then it's like there's something not working here. It's not like huge stuff, but it's like what if what if you what if you we actually flip this around? And you you say that and then that, or like is there a beat missing? And and kind of working it out with the actors adding stuff here or there and usually i'll if you're working with good actors they might have thoughts as well of like i'm struggling with this line can we cut it or whenever and again you have to balance it between if if that resonates and they've got a point and whatever then yes 100% and that would have been easy
1: wouldn't it alice like if there is a line on because you're the Sure runner.
2: Yeah, exactly. You can do that. It's hu- whereas
1: it's not the protocol of.
2: Yeah, it's harder to do when it's when it's someone else's script for sure because you can't. And and generally, if it's someone else's script, I would or if if I felt really strongly about making a change, I would shoot it as is and then get a version the way I think it. You know, with the improvement that I'm suggesting, hmm. and then that way you can try it out in the edit. But if they if if it doesn't if people don't like it, you can revert back to this to the to the original version as written. But you know, sometimes you know someone might push back on something that actually you feels really important, and then you have to push back on the pushback. But, but definitely, I I I think that like the only thing that matters really is like, is it working in the moment? Like, yeah, you you can adapt to whatever whatever's going to make it work in the moment.
1: And then moving on to just the the last question really is about what was post like for you.
2: Post was a lot more. I mean, annoyingly, I. Because actually we did have an actor who got sick, not from COVID, but we had to shift a bunch of stuff that we'd shot, that we were going to shoot in the first block into the second block. I mean, I was exhausted because I also, there was no breaks. So it was like, I wrapped I on Friday and I was in the edit on Monday, I think. And then, so I was knackered and the shoot was still continuing. So there was a little, like, as in, I still had days here and there. I think I had like five days over four weeks or something. So you're still in that slightly adrenalized headspace, but... I think generally, I my favorite part of the whole process is editing because if you feel like you've got the material to make something good, because if you if you if it feels like a you're a saving a box job that can be a really painful process. But if you feel like you've got the material to make something good, then it's it's my favorite because it's so it's so creative. It's so similar to writing, but in a not writing can sometimes be paralyzing because. Everything's possible, you know. Whereas with editing, you're you're problem solving. So there's something very kind of tangible and mm. and 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 real about it. You're not you have often... what you have
0: at that point exactly. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And you kind of you might mourn that at the beginning or at some part of the process. Usually, at the, the people they always say like uh, di- uh, directors really hate the assembly. I don't know if it's because I used to edit or I don't. But no, even directors. I I always expect the assembly to kind of suck. So yeah. I'm always just like, cool, let's do it. Let's go. And I, it, it doesn't devastate me in the way that it devastates a lot of other people. Because I think I just, I know it's going to be awful. And it's like, let's just get into it. Um, and then it it just gets better. You know, it's not like... In production, if something goes wrong, if whatever you, you can be seeing the thing that you wanted to ma- make sort of falling apart in front of you, or you know, you can mm. you're kind of constantly mourning the version that it could have been, and sometimes you're kind of having these incredibly exciting moments when you're like, mm. magic just happened. So it's it it's great, but it's also just very tiring on the mind and on the body and all of that. Whereas in the edit, it's it's some it's just a nicer rhythm. You're solving problems. You're working with someone else. Which I love, uh, so it's just nice. I just really like it. But I'll tell you what I did. I know what I didn't like about the post process was the very final stages. Once you're basically where you have to check the episodes over and over and over again to just to QC them for every single, you know. So you're like QCing them for VFX or QCing them for sound. You're QCing them, and so by the end, I remember in January of last year, where I, I was watching the final, final versions oh, because also we'd done cut down versions for amazon like we cut a few minutes out of each episode for amazon so we'd i've been back in the edit doing that and then mm. QCing seeing into to the two versions whatever and at the end i was just like i i actually watching this is like you know stabbing my eyeballs it's like so boring and mm. so excruciating <laughs> and i've seen it 250 times you know i have to watch it i have to keep my eyes open so that i could say that it's been qc so yeah, that that was the that's a boring part of the process, just because of it's so much, and you by this point you've seen it so many times that you're just kind of totally fatigued to it.
1: Did you did you do any reshoots of any kind, and did and and, and what what was the purpose of them? Why did you have to do that if you did?
2: Yeah, well, we did. I think we actually only did one reshoot, which was a scene that I I basically realised afterwards that. There was just a much better way to write it, and also we'd shot it with like an hour and twenty minutes or something, and it was a long scene. It was like a two and a half offridge scene or something, and and it, it and it was just like shot at two in the morning or something. So I just felt like it had not been the best version of itself, both from a writing point of view and from just a t- how, how how little time we had to do it. So we we ended up finding space to to reshoot that, and then other than that, we uh, we did a very short number of pickups. The pickups were like, for example, like that bathroom scene, a shot here and there. You know, I think I think we had a, cumulatively a day or maybe two days of pickups and then and then phone stuff. Yeah, like he was saying earlier, so much phone stuff. Cause also we did a lot of shooting phone stuff that then would end up in the show and then we'd go, oh shit, now we've changed this around. It would be better if, yeah. like it, it was quite, an easy way to an easy place to make changes mm. but as a result uh, we did a lot of reshooting phone stuff which got a bit was it your old. hand
1: that was in it
2: it was it's almost almost all of the shots some of them are erin and most of them are me <laughs> yeah i remember on the pickup day doing the doing the phone shots i was wearing like whatever erin's you know outfit like what it could You'd have to wear the outfit so that it would, you know, so I'd be wearing her top or whatever it was, and then I'd have the monitor here, and then I'd have the phone and the camera here, and I'd be looking at the monitor doing the thing. <laughs> um, mm. It was a little cowboy operation. The final pickups we literally did with like two people in a in in the edit suite. Actually, we shot some of them. Literally, we'd close the blinds in the edit, so we ended did, did them there.
1: That has been an amazing deep dive into chloe and sex education that's amazing yeah like uh, super helpful it's been so insightful yeah yeah massively just ju- just on what you know like i uh, probably saying for you marcus like you know so much we've learned on house of the dragon and then to get this perspective of sex education and chloe it's, mm. it's brilliant it's
2: thanks brilliant. guys it was so nice to chat and uh, we'll have to do an, an another one without the uh, audio recording where you guys can tell me all about how to write yeah yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah no, for sure we've got like a couple little sections which we do at the end which is more like chilled and just it tries to demystify what directors get up to because i think we say that on social media you see people's wins and stuff and it feels like it's all immediate but actually the process of it is really 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 slow so we're just wondering what you've been up to this week you can literally be as boring as you like
2: yeah this week has been a bit of a struggle for me um because uh we uh, i'm writing film at the moment with sam but we we sent that in and then I've, i i I've got somewhere with this other thing that i'm doing and then i i basically was like okay i've, I've got this i've got a bunch of tasks i'm so supposed to achieve um I, i'm trying to write up a treatment for something um just stuff in my emails whatever but something about, I don't know, something in my brain was just like not feeling it this week. So um, I've been getting up a bit too late and feeling guilty about it. And then uh, procrastinating it. I'm, I'm in this kitchen and I always end up just like deciding that I'm going to make some elaborate meal or drink too much tea or whatever. Um, and then I sit down in front of the document and then I do a little bit and then I'm like, oh no. And then I go for a walk <laughs> and then I come back. And then I eat an apple, uh, just a lot of stuff like that. Um, so I've been, yeah, trying to, I find the, the bit of the process in writing that I find the hardest I think is sort of the early stages. I think if you either, I quite like doing a first draft where you have planned everything out and you know where you're going, get up every day and you do I set myself a number of pages to do, and then I can keep going and that's fine. And when I have really specific, implementable notes on a rewrite, that's fine. Mm. But the the phase at the beginning where you're like, I've got this idea, but don't really know fully what it is yet, get a bit of vertigo in that phase, and I don't know where to start. And you're
0: like looking into the fog.
2: Yeah, big time yeah. fog. And then and then I'll I usually also go down rabbit holes of like suddenly I'm reading about some like whatever person or watching some youtube video or like deciding that i should re-watch a movie that that probably i didn't need to re-watch and that kind of thing um (laughs) and yeah i mean i'm lucky at the moment that i'm in the mountains so i can just sort of do that and not i don't have much uh i'm saying you know i'm i'm from france i'm half french so i've got i've got family and stuff here and so i'm able to just, just kind of be away from it all and just get get up to the weird stuff i get up to in london sometimes i find all of that can be even more tricky because you're balancing yeah balancing other things and And
0: everything costs money to leave the house
2: and everything (laughs) oh yeah literally you can spend so much money just doing nothing just going out for coffee or getting on the tube
0: 30 pounds a day minimum just from leaving the house yeah Yeah. it's
2: mad yeah Yeah, i spend like 30 pounds not quite a week but almost Yeah in yeah <laughs> so that's yeah what have you been up to Marcus
0: uh, so for me I am currently making a short film with Disney so I am just prepping that nice. yeah I'm I'm just meeting HODs and my big stress at the minute is that with this with this project I basically wrote a sci-fi and I challenged myself to write the weirdest thing I could possibly think of for one and then Good. on top of that this is the first time I decided to write something which I didn't know how to execute um great so part of the challenge (laughs) is now figuring out how to do the stuff
2: yeah
0: or it's it's not even necessarily about figuring out how how to do it it's figuring out how to do it within the budget which we have because if you can throw Mm. a limited time and money at it it's quite simple because you just throw time and money at it but we're trying to that's
2: think that's the good place though I think sometimes is when you're just out of your comfort zone and having to come up with creative solutions to problems because you don't know yeah why it has it a...
0: because i think that's it like i'm I'm not concerned about how i can shoot it visually and all these sorts of fun things and and thinking about the tone of it it's purely like the technical execution of having like a being exist and interact with a main character and um, oh making it not look like it's made of plastic that's yeah yeah
2: that's exciting
0: yeah so it's a, it's a lot of fun i've been doing that and then otherwise i've I've just started kind of doing bits and bobs of writing and and yeah and this podcast we're we're building up to launch so this is actually taking up quite a lot of time.
2: Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Fun though. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I just chats with people for the best. So if you can do that and uh, it's a project and you get to share it with the world, it's it's the coolest. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And how about you, Oz, What you've been up to?
1: Um, yeah, so I've got that BFI Future Text application. Did that. Um, it was really good actually because I rewrote an old script from a different perspective of the character and that's been really, really good uh, to completely reimagine a story with some of the main things that go on with you, the character, but you're a different character mm. and you're experiencing that uh, differently. That, that's that been a really good learning experience. Um, I'm quite pleased with it. As right. well, so
0: Cheeky bit of writing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, nice. We do a we do a nugget of the week. This is our final section. Uh, so the nugget of the week it, it can just be anything which has inspired you this week.
1: Well, well, mine is, is is just the when when I was teaching last week with the students, we were talking about editing and about the the, the pacing of editing because I teach post production, and um, I, I I played the end scene of the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, and watching it in the lecture theatre was amazing. I was like this is absolutely better than what I even thought it it was and just how it builds and what it is and just the geography of where you are. And yeah, it's really, really good.
2: That's amazing. I love, I I love, this is why I love rewatching stuff because I swear to God, you can have seen something multiple times and still you can watch it again. And I think it's possibly because you've maybe like grown as a filmmaker or as a person, it's like almost you can see more now why it's good. You know, it's like the Oz that saw that, a while back, or whatever, and maybe it was just like, "Oh, this is like exciting" or whatever. But the odds now can look at it and be like, can see how more how it's put together, and it it just blows. Yeah. You can yeah. see the engineering; it's like it's so amazing.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah, um, and talking about engineering, I've been down a bit of a nerd rabbit hole ever since being on House of the Dragon because a lot it was a really, really VFX heavy show. And mm. ever since then, I've, I've been kind of looking into that and the mechanics of it, and stumbled across a bit, probably a bit late to the party, but the Corridor Crew on on YouTube. And they're essentially, they're VFX artists that have created like a talk show and they have people from like Wetter and ILM come on and they just break down VFX shots. Um, wow, how you, how I don't you know do. that. I've never seen it's that. It's so good. And on top of that, they also do like stuntmen and stunt women react as well. So they kind of wow. they break down like stunts and how they do it. And they have like a stuntman on, like they've got the person who does stunts for Black Panther and stuff, just like stand next to them and just go through it all. So um That's incredible. they've just released a brand new one with um breaking down like avatar the new one uh which is which is uh obviously insane like the level of craft there um yeah. but yeah i i kind of got super addicted to that last year it's it's so so insightful um even just ways they,
1: they do a review of, of bad vfx shots as well don't yeah they? Which yeah is yeah. yeah
0: they break down good and bad vfx shots um <laughs> so like a lot a lot of the times you you sometimes learn because they might go back to like shows in the 80s and or like films in the 80s and they'll pull up how they did things practically as well so you kind of learn lots of little tricks and tips it's really cool that's
2: so cool yeah um yeah i uh you know Rick Rubin who's this music producer who he's just um uh he's just put out this book about creativity which I uh was reading about and I've just ordered it I haven't started reading it but I watched this uh long interview with him it's like a two-hour it's a bit like this actually like a podcast uh it's a long-form podcast um and uh yeah he's he's sort of got guru energy in good and bad ways but um he 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 does have a lot of interesting stuff to say i find about uh and and so the 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 thing that i took from this podcast was he was talking about like basically experimenting the way he experiments in in trying to make an album uh with someone and kind of really not knowing the answers just trying trying different stuff out and experimenting but that then they they look at what they've done and and really try and find like what's the best stuff and what's the most interesting stuff rather than like what have they built towards or like what was the thing that was the hardest to do so he gave the example of the Johnny Cash album that um you know where he Got him to do all the, oh, they did all these uh, songs, just like acoustic, his voice. And that apparently those were the demos that they recorded mm. um, to, to kind of say, these are the songs we're going to do. And then they went off and recorded it all with studio musicians. And then they listened back to everything and they were like, this is much better and more interesting. And he was like, you know, probably a lot of people would have said, well, yeah, but we just recorded it with all these studio musicians, so it must be the better version. And he was like no you have to look at the material for what it is and not for what mm. you know what you think is the right version and that and you know mm. I just found that really interesting like the the sort of commitment to the to to the to the he, I've, I've, I think he's quite a curious person is what I've noticed he has a curiosity about him and it's just kind of like I don't, I don't know the right answer he's but, always
0: digging into the creative process right yeah like what that is what that and is, he seems exactly. to really trust his gut
2: yeah, that's it. He, he seems to be the the person I've encountered who most trusts their gut, mm. almost to a point where you're just like, is is he got a screw loose? But but it actually, it on some level, it's kind of inspiring because you're like, what you can get to from just listening to that part of you that is just like interested and curious and and has reactions to what's in front of you rather than the lessons that you've learned or what you think is the right answer or the, you know, the, the, the story that you've been told or whatever. So I found that something to take into. It's almost
0: like the personification of the little voice in everyone's head that tells you to do something. (laughs) It's like the manifestation of it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think we should all imagine Rick Rubin and his massive (laughs) beard, uh, whenever we want to listen to our gut.
1: (laughs) Um, Alice, just last, just last question. We ask all directors this question um, and, it's, and it's more because we like to just find out what people think. What is directing? Oh,
2: oh my, it all does. What is directing? Um, it is, oy, oy, oy. I think it's like, I think directing is being the, the caretaker, let's say, of what is going to make the the project uh, better but really like most itself so like you you i i do think that like obviously all directors have their own taste and their own tendencies and their own whatever but i also think every director approach has to, has to approach each project with its own you know with its own set of rules um or its own visual language or its own kind of way of unfolding and that basically you you may or may not you you might also be a cinematographer you might also be an editor you might you might be doing all of those some some of those other jobs or you might not know anything about any of those pieces of like those other crafts but ultimately you're the one communicating with everyone and 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 being the kind of the continuity between this huge team of people working that, that is making sure that what what gets done what stays in the film is serving the what the wider the the project as a whole mm. so You're not coming up with all the ideas. Far from it. Like so many people are providing, you know, coming up with ideas that will. And I don't. I mean, again, some directors storyboard everything and know absolutely every single thing, like moment, and they can see it all, and they basically just need to communicate that to other people. Other directors are are much more, you know, are receiving the idea, you know, are actually curating other people's ideas. They might not really have any clue how to shoot it. They're going to talk to hear it from the cinematographer, but ultimately, you're the one deciding yes that works for this no that doesn't you know um and trying to serve the integrity of what the what the story is and what the project is and what the what what the emotion is that you're trying to convey to the or what's the feeling that you're trying to convey to the audience love that amazing
1: thank you cool and that that concludes the
2: episode god i'm like dying to hear what everyone else said now
0: (laughs) (laughs) we've only asked you
2: (laughs) Um, I can't remember what
1: Sam's was Sam's was an interesting one as well I can't remember I back bet time.
2: it
0: was Yeah. TBC
1: Alice thank you so much for your time it's been absolutely really really good and uh, we really appreciate it. and I know that the listeners are going to are going to be uh, super excited and thanks for sharing this because there's nothing about this deep dive about Chloe on the internet and I feel very blessed that we you, you've allowed us to unpick your brain
2: oh it's an absolute pleasure it's so great to chat to you guys and uh, yeah well it for even more hours than we've just did
1: <laughs> awesome so this concludes our episode next week we might be joined by another guest we'll have to see what happens or it might just be us rambling so if anyone does happen to be listening get your questions in at the director's take at and we want you to tell us about what you want to know about directing the film industry at large and we'll do our best to tell you
0: Yeah, because we want to shape this as a resource for you. So do get your questions in and reach out to us on Instagram, which is the Director's Take podcast and also on Twitter, which we are at Director's Take. So I guess that's it. Until next time, keep learning, keep failing and keep the faith.